guys, welcome back to the Tokes Talks podcast, a podcast where we discuss topics surrounding business, relationships, and personal development. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day, and happy new month. We are finally in October, the 10th month of the year, the beginning of the fourth quarter, the final stretch. I know this year has been one for the books. Plans were squashed. We had plans. God laughed and said, yeah, you tried it. But <laughs> with that being said, there's still an opportunity to do something, you know, to adjust, to to tweak, to recalibrate and get something done. Like nothing's a lost. A new day is a new opportunity to try something new, to do a little more, push a little more. A lot of the things, the ideas that I've had, the opportunities that I had, I've had have come at me really fast. Sometimes within a week, I'd be light years further along than I was at the beginning of that week. So having a whole three months is more than enough to get something done. Don't throw it away. This year is still viable. There's still a lot available. There's still opportunity to look at things a different way, to squint your eyes, tilt your head, and see what you can still squeeze out of this year. It's not over and you shouldn't count yourself out. I hope you guys had some time to meditate on the words to live by for last week, which were, as long as there's life, there's opportunity. And what I learned about this is just giving myself a fresh start. There's a lot of times when our decisions or the outcomes of our decisions just make things really discouraging. But the way I like to look at things is that I give myself a moment to mourn, a moment to be disappointed. But as soon as my alarm rings the next morning, I look at every single opportunity that's left, you know, not discounting the pain of whatever was a loss or a redirection or acting like it's oblivious. I still have a lesson to take from that. So I take that and I say, what can I do with this new opportunity? What can I do with this new morning that I was blessed to wake up and try again? What am I going to do to try again? And that's just what I really tried to do this week. And what it did for me is that it allowed me to really just get out of my head. And for the most part, I try to stay positive, but there are some times where I get on those negativity spirals, which just go straight down and really just looking at each morning as, wow, a fresh start, what a blessing, really just sets my day up to face and attack whatever it is I need to deal with. And today we will be talking about the process. In particular, six practical steps to achieving a goal. So for those of you who probably, I'm sure all of you or most of you probably know, I wrote a book of poetry. It's called Through My Brown Eyes. And on October 5th, which was this past Monday, my book turned a year old. Um, It's been a fast year. And me being extra, I baked cupcakes and um, I had a photo shoot for my cake. I'm sorry, for my book with the cupcakes and a green candle to represent money because, you know, and the Nigerian flag. (laughs) So in getting to a year and really just looking back on this past year and reflecting on the opportunities and the angles that 
this book took and the directions it took that weren't even my intention or weren't my expectation, but that have been so positive. I had to look further back because you guys know I'm here for constant reflection and really look at what it took for me to do it. You know, it's one thing to talk about it. It's a whole nother thing to be about it. It's a whole nother monster actually to be about it because plans plans and the inception to the actual final execution is a long journey. And in looking at what I did to get from poetry book idea to actual poetry book, I came up with six things that I did. And I just wanted to share those six steps to the process because yes, they worked for me to create a poetry book, but it's not exclusive to that. Um, of course, in giving you guys the steps, I'll discuss how they applied to my book because that's what we're talking about. But you guys will easily be able to apply this to any goal you have, any lofty goal, any little goal. They're very actionable and very realistic. So the first step was to dis- was deciding that I needed to do it, you know, getting, it's one thing to just have an idea, but it's another thing to truly make the decision that you want to execute it, it being your idea. And that can come in a a different manner of ways. But for me, how it came with my book was that I couldn't shake the thought of it. I, it, it came to me as a seed and it persisted. It harassed me. It came to me at work. I'd be at work and I think of the title. I'd be on the train and I'd be writing poetry. I just could not shake it. And our body, our spirit has a way of guiding us towards whatever it is we need to be connected to or wherever it is our destiny, whomever or whatever it is our destiny is aligned with because you just can't let it go. You can't shake the feeling. You can't get it out of your mind. It's not that there's other, there's not other pressing things going on, but this thing is just at the forefront. So that's how I got to the place of deciding I needed to do it because it just wouldn't leave me alone. I had to write the book because if I didn't write the book, I wouldn't be able to do anything else because the book was taking up all of my brain space, all of my brain space. I was writing, I wrote a poem and at the end of the poem, it said through my brown eyes. And I'm like, yep, that's the title. It was all so smooth that it it couldn't have just been coincidence. It couldn't have just been luck. It was literally destiny and divinity aligning with or me aligning with my destiny divinity and purpose and it just clicking so strongly that the heavens wouldn't let me ignore it the second way that I figured out was that I needed to figure out what it would take that was the second step figuring out what it would take to write this book yes I have this pressing feeling that I need to do this. But the next thing is how exactly do you do that? What steps need to be put in place? What assurances need to be put in place? What allowances do you have to have for yourself? And for me, the one that was shouting at me the most was quitting my job. I needed to quit my job. I needed to get out of there because one, I was commuting almost two hours each way, which If you're working an eight hour day and commuting two hours each way, that's a 12 hour day before you get home and do everything else you have to do. There's, you're just really too exhausted to create and 
through all that exhaustion, I was still managing to create, but I just was feeling this push. And I believe I've talked about it before in um, post-traumatic growth part one about leaving my job because I was getting to a place where my mind was so detached that it was a matter of either you quit this job on good terms or they fire you on bad terms because either way you're not meant to be here anymore. And it's, it's either you walk out with your dignity or they push you out in shame. And I decided, you know what, my dignity is cute and I'm gonna hold on to it. (laughs) So I decided to quit my job. The third step to achieving your goal is taking the steps that it would take. So in part two, you figure out what it would take. And then part three is taking the steps. Someone, some people might think that that should be the same thing, but they're not. Talking about it and being about it, friends, are two very different things. You know, one of my favorite quotes that I created was, if if mouths could build mountains, Everest would be a molehill. Because people talk all these grandiose things they want to do with their mouths, but the action ain't in the mouth. The, The mouth is the beginning, like speaking things that you want as though they were, that is the beginning, but then actioning and taking the steps to ensure that you're at least doing your part to create that life is, is the second part, right? So for me, that was telling my parents that I was going to quit my job. And my mom, my dad was really calm about it. He was happy for me. God bless his soul. Um, but my mom was more like to do what? And I'm like, I'm going to write a book. And she said, okay, are you not applying for another job? I'm like, no, I'm going to be the job. Tokes Inc. is going to be what I, who I work for. I'm the only employee, but that's who I'm working for. And it was hard for her. And in deciding to take the steps it will take, a lot of what you're faced with is the risk of of the potential, you know, it's one thing to talk about something, but when you really are about to step into it, it gets to a point where you're like, this is, this could be fantastic, or this could be an epic fail. And I'm about to walk into it and really just go either way. And another thing is really the courage, because as I talk about often, the people who love us sometimes out of that love instill fear in us based on them wanting for us a path that doesn't include struggle, right? And when you're doing something like I'd say in my family, at least in North America, no, I'd say most in my family, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the first person to really quit their job to pursue entrepreneurship. My grandmothers were businesswomen, market women. Yes, there's always been that business flair in in my family, but it's another thing to really be on the ideal quote unquote path and just say, you know what, I'm done with this and I'm going to get out of it. And that can bring a lot of fear. And another thing that I had to work up was the courage to quit. Quitting my job in at the end of January was probably the least convenient time for my coworkers because tax season was starting. Things really pick up after the new year and the training that they had been training me to prepare me for this season, I was gonna, it was technically pretty much gonna be a waste because I wasn't even gonna make it to that season with them. And the guilt I felt of, "Mm, maybe I'm letting these people down, but then I realized, no, it's a corporation, they'll be fine. And which was absolutely true because when I quit my job, 
I gave him my two weeks notice on a Friday and by Monday they were interviewing people. Friends, you're expendable. (laughs) I'm just, I think I needed to say that to somebody to really just push them to do what they've been contemplating doing because I know sometimes we feel like, oh, maybe if we quit this job, they will, what are they going to do without me? They will process, progress, and flourish in your absence, friend. That sentiment doesn't hold a candle because at the end of the day, when they no longer need you, they will drop you. And when they drop you, you don't have anywhere to land. When you're about to exit and you give them the grace of two weeks notice and you slowly wean yourself off and give them time to adjust, you're nice. I know so many people who just send in a text like, I'm not coming back. Please don't do that. Let's keep relationships and ties because we don't know what we're going to do with them but it took a lot of courage to actually quit one because it it's it's security right if I stay here I can project how much money I'm going to make if I go out on my own there could be a million dollar year there could be a ten dollar year who knows and everything in between especially in the beginning right and to for me I was my spirit was just pushing me out the door so much so that I jumped with no no savings, nothing, just my faith and knowing that it was time to go. Of course, I'm not going to sit here and not discuss the privilege of still living at home, not paying rent and having a few bills. But at the same time, that financial independence to be able to do what I wanted was really cut short, um, like or really restricted. So that was the third step, taking the steps it would take. The fourth step is picking a path. So it's one thing to know what you want to do. It's one thing to figure out what it's taking. It's another thing to take the steps. And it's another thing to decide the path that you're going to take. For me, as an author, it was uh, it was pretty much two streets. Self-publishing or going through t- traditional publishing. There's p- pros and cons on both ends, of course. I, I'm sure you guys probably know, I went with the self-publishing route because self-publishing, one, killed the gatekeeper. And I'm not really a fan of gatekeepers in the beginning because I feel like the the concept of having someone approve your work can really just delay your ability to get your stuff out there. There were companies who said, send in your work, even if it's done, like publishing companies, send in your work, give us a little synopsis, and we'll get back to you in three months with a yes or a no. You know what it is to sit on completed work for three months to get a no? Like, that's mind-blowing to me, and it wasn't something I was going to do. And I understand that with the path I took, there was more work. Marketing was all on my end. Everything was on my end. Advertising was on my end. All the money was coming out of my pocket, right? And because of this understanding that this was the path I was going to go, I had to make a time versus money trade-off, which was pretty much, do you have time or do you have money? People who don't have time, you if they have money, they spend money on certain things. For example, a simple one. Um, you're very busy, but you need your house cleaned and you don't have time and you're busy working all the time. So you pay someone to clean your house. Whereas if you don't necessarily have money and you have time, you might clean your house yourself, right? So with my book, I had time because I just quit my job, but I didn't have money because I just quit my job. So what I did was I DIY'd everything. I incorporated my business myself. I designed, I 
I contacted Adobe. I think they were doing a 60 day free like promotion or whatever it was. I used those six, that 60 day promotion to create the, the illustration for my cover page, designed my whole cover page myself. Um, I used a software called Scrivener to write my book and Scrivener has a 30 day, a 30 day free trial. And the way their 30 day free trial works, which is wonderful. Shout out to Scrivener is that a day counts as when you actually use the app. So if I use the app once a month, I can have the app, um, yeah, the software for 30 months. So initially I had handwritten all my poems. Then I went on Google Drive, yeah, Google Docs, and I wrote each one out. And when everything was out and organized, then I went on to Scrivener and completed my book in 28 days. <laughs> so I didn't have to pay for the software, which I am still going to pay for, for my second book and subsequent books. But this is what I had to do. You know, I had to pick a path that was most vi viable, most realistic and feasible for me and follow that path without flinching, you know, and really just taking the time to to weigh the pros and cons of both paths. Of course, if a publisher loves my book and they're like, we want your book and we want the rights to your second book, my thoughts on that is, sure, but since I've already created and I've proved that I can do this myself, what would be my benefits of coming to you? And what that does in itself is it shifts the leverage from them having leverage of, we're gonna give you money, we're gonna give you opportunities to tell me why it's worth it for me to, to give you guys a cut of this if I've already proven that I could do it myself, right? And this doesn't work for everyone, but it's something that works for me. And I'm a big fan of just owning your own stuff, right? Owning Own your stuff so that people come to you and pay you more at the end of the day and and really you sell them the you sell them the value instead of them selling you the value. Because if I had this book and I know my book is amazing, but it's never been tested. No, there's no feedback. They can say, oh, well, you know, for a first time poetry book, it's not really that strong. Maybe you should just, um, we'll give you $10,000. And because I was at zero and these are people are giving me an opportunity, I'd gobble it up. Whereas when you do it on your own and they come at you, that money can quadruple. That money can go 10 times over because you've proven yourself. So now it's a matter of, Tell me what you're going to bring to the table and make it fancy because I can do this without you. So I'm a benefit to you and you're going to you're going to pay for that and you're going to convince me of why I should move over to you. So with that, you just need to really just pick a path, decide, see all the options, weigh the pros and cons, decide what's best for you, what's attainable for you and what's realistic and then move in that information. The fifth step is executing. You know, once we've picked a path, we know what we want to do. We've taken the steps. We need to execute. You need to give yourself deadlines. You need to make lists. You need to do research and you need to check in. I think the most important is checking in with yourself because a lot of times when we get into this, the excitement of what we want to do, we don't take a, a step back to look at, is it still working that way? Is this path actually working when I execute it is in me now executing all the plans I had made in the past all the assurances I have made are they still valid do I need to add something else or if I continue on this path am I already on the right path and that's why it's important to set deadlines because especially when it's something that's your work that you're 
that you're doing for yourself and that maybe people know about, but they're not necessarily attached to it per se, there's, there's a tendency to kind of slack. Initially, I wanted my book to come out on my birthday, which was June 17th. But after everything was said and done, it came out on October 5th, partially because I was slacking, but also because there was a lot more editing and finessing and fine tuning than I had initially anticipated because I've never written a book before. I've never self-published a book before. I had to make sure I had all the licenses, my copyright, ensure that my corporation was up so that the money would be going to my corporation and the book would be under my corporation, not under me personally, just for tax benefits and all of that. And like, that's the research, right? Understanding like, because for me in writing my book, I didn't plan for something small. My book by the grace of God will be a New York times bestseller and it's going to be everywhere. So with that in mind, I don't want hundreds of thousands of dollars being put into my name directly. And then the Canadian government taxing me 50% of that, you know? So what I did instead is that I created my corporation and then I put the book under my corporation, set it up so that all the payments are going into my corporate account. And then based on that, I have certain small business protections and benefits that can alleviate those tax issues in the future. And then I can also pay myself a salary through that. This is what research did. Somebody else would just say, I want to write a book. I'm so excited about my book. They'd put out a book, their book would blow. And then they'd be pissed at the fact that they just made $500,000 and the government, depending where you live, if you're in Canada, takes 250,000 of that before you can even smell it because you, it got out of your hands, you know, and I made a lot of lists, like make lists of what you want to do, make lists of what you want to accomplish. And then if those, by making lists and setting deadlines, you start to know little by little, if you're being realistic or not, if your goal is to create a, a cover page that you have to hand design an illustrator in three hours and you've never used illustrator, you might have to spend the first two hours or all three hours watching tutorials. And then after watching tutorials, doing trial and error, struggling, then watching some more tutorials and something that you thought would take you um, the time of a TV show on Netflix in the background had just sucked up eight hours of your day. And that's where the check-in comes in, where you really look and you say, okay, what were my expectations? How were they not met? And how do I adjust accordingly? Do I need to push my deadline or do I need to pick up the pace? Do I need to slow down and be more meticulous? You need to, that's execution. And I'm sure for initially when I was coming up with these steps, I stopped at execution. And then I said, no, you're lying. <laughs> like, And that brings me to the sixth step, which is re-energizing yourself because goals are wonderful and having them is amazing and so energetic and so revitalizing. But every so often that that spark weans out, you know, (laughs) you get so excited for the book. You've been talking about it for months, but now it's been months. So it's not even, it's not giving you those butterflies that it was giving you initially. It's been almost a year and you're still on this thing. And that's where re-energizing yourself really comes to play. We need to just be realistic with ourselves and know that we're not always going to be on 10. It's not possible to always be on 10. So when if we can function at a six, 
what do we do when we end up at a three and we need to get back up to at least a six so we can keep going? And for me, what really helped me was remembering my why and remembering my purpose. And yes, this book is called Through My Brown Eyes because it's experiences that I went through personally or things that I witnessed throughout my life or through the stories I've heard or the people I've been around. But if the book was just meant for me, I wouldn't have spent all this time doing it because I already had the poems. I could just read them in my notepad on my phone or in some journals every so often and say, oh, you write cute poetry and that would be it. But I really had to determine what my purpose was. And my purpose was to inspire, to take these experiences and put them on paper so that people can read them and get an understanding of how other people live their lives, things people go through, or maybe even give themselves some encouragement through some tough situations in their life. And whenever I would get down on myself, the thing I would, I would say to myself is you're wasting other people's time. There are people who need to read this, people who need to tap into this and you're wasting their time. And when I look at what my book has done now and where it's been and the fact that my demographic was young women on social media, but now my book is in schools. My book has been read by adults and it's brought them to tears. That is mind blowing. And when I look at the times I was procrastinating and I could envision what the future held, and now I see that I'm here in the future and it's holding those things, it makes it so much easier for next time to be able to really uh, like have that confirmation that remembering your purpose doesn't go to waste. And another thing I did was that I forced myself when it was hard. Inspiration is lovely. Like, you know, those people who say I only create when I'm inspired. That is so lovely. And I wish it could be me. I wish it could, but it, but it isn't, it can't be. And there were times where I felt like, oh, again, with this book stuff, oh, editing, like editing, that was, that was a pain because editing is just really tough. Hats off to people who are professional editors. You guys are doing God's work. We see you and we appreciate you, but I would have to just push myself. And it was a matter of, okay, you don't have an hour in you today. Okay, do 10 minutes. And the thing is that once you start that 10 minutes and you get into the flow of it, before you know it, you've probably spent two hours. It's just that initial little push to get yourself up and get yourself out of your way so that you can actually do what it is you need to do. And that little push will re-energize you because you've just kind of said, oh, okay, we'll manage, we'll do a bit. But in saying you'll do a bit, you get into it and you're like, oh, that's an awkward place to end, even though my 10 minutes is up. Let me just finish off the page. And 20 days of just finishing off the pages will put you 20 pages ahead than 20 days of I don't feel the spark and doing nothing, right? And yes, another there could be another day where you're really in the groove where you do 20 pages in one day, and that's wonderful too, right? But just don't stop. Keep going. Remember why. Remember why you're doing it, and that will keep you pushing. So those are my six tips. They will be in the show notes for you guys to look over. And with that, I'm going to get right into my words to live by for this week, which are... My push is connected to other destinies. And this is what I spoke about in the re-energizing section that your purpose, you know, and this has really been 
dawning on me lately and has been that thing that really pushes me because we are bigger than ourselves, friends. We are so much bigger than ourselves. And when we think that we're small and we think that the things we do only affect us, it makes it a lot easier to slack, you know, because if I say I'm going to work out and I don't, who who cares, you know, <laughs> who's going to hold me accountable, especially when it's just you against you. But your push, the things you do, the things that are pressing down on your spirit that you can't shake, those things that you need to do, they are connected to other destinies. The book I wrote got was read by a young girl who was writing poetry and now she's writing a poetry book because she feels that it's less unattainable. If I wasn't there doing my due diligence, would that have been activated? Maybe, but would I get any of the glory? No, because because I didn't do my part and I didn't I didn't step into what I'm supposed to step into. So for this week what I want you guys to really do is just take some time to Look at the things you're sleeping on. And it's one thing to sleep on yourself, but really just think that you're sleeping on other people. Your key that you need to turn is going to activate like a domino effect a lot of different things. And you're the beginning of that. And with you sitting here doubting, wondering when you should do it, scared of doing it, you're you're delaying destiny. Not just your destiny, but the destiny of others. And if you delaying your own destiny is not pressure enough for you to really get it going, maybe the delaying the destiny of others will really put that in perspective for you. So this week, push, do whatever it is that you've been, you've been putting in the back burner, execute these steps and see what happens. Thank you guys so, so, so much for listening. Have an amazing week and I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Bye.